This is USA Takedown, the best guess. All the hot news and predictions on combat sports of wrestling and MMA with your host, the true American, Scott Casper. Connect with him now on social media and check out usatakedown.com. Now it's time for USA Takedown. Hello again, everybody. It is USA Takedown from the Wild Rose Casino Studios here in Des Moines, Iowa. It's Scott Casper, and across the way is uh, uh, the beauteous and incredible uh, performer in her own right, and uh, she, <laughs> she's Kira. Is that Kira an Jones. SAT word? I don't know if that's a real word. <laughs> anyway, also, uh, we want to thank our uh, internal rep, Chris Roloff, okay, because he does a wonderful job selling all of these stations, and we're grateful for Chris Roloff. All right. Who's on the show today? Well, we've got a bunch of them. The Defense Soap guests include Miles Amin, Mike Powell, Mike, uh, Matt Lindlin, Jakara Winchester, and Rebecca Roper. Uh, you've probably heard of her husband, Lee Roper, right? Well, Rebecca is signed to compete at Stalemates 2 coming up later in the month of October. So we're going to talk to her about jumping into the field and jumping onto the mat uh, with no, I guess, extreme, uh, you know, you have to be prepared and, uh, I'm, I'm hoping she will be, I don't know much about her opponent either, but I believe this is going to be fun for her and for you, the fans. All right. So let's go to our first guest. Let's go to, uh, miles. I mean, it was on August 5th of 2021 that the Lebanese Samaritanese American miles, I mean, Ended his Tokyo Olympic run with pride, returning home, having secured a bronze medal. He joins us now. Good morning, Miles. How are you? Hey, how's it going? Did I get all the, um, <laughs> what are those adjectives? Yeah. Did, yeah. Did I get all of them correct? Sem- yeah. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> I, I have trouble with the second one. Samar in the. Samarese. Samarese. Okay. Samarese, yeah. <laughs> I always found as an announcer, if you say it fast enough, enough most people won't know that you're saying it wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah you for you're close enough miles congratulations on the bronze you didn't wrestle on behalf of the, of the united states you could have okay but instead you chose to represent san marino which is a country inside the um the uh, nation of italy talk to us a little bit about that how how did that happen yeah, so uh, it's a, it's a kind of a unique story. Um, I wrestled for the United States back as a, a cadet in the uh, the Pan American Games back my sophomore year in high school. So I was a U.S. representative at a point in time, and um, I didn't really do much uh, more international competition. Um, I actually didn't even go to any like world team trials um, up until um, actually after my my sophomore year in high school. Um, so really, I, I really wanted to stick to the, the national style of folk style for a while and just kind of keep, keep, uh, freestyle in the background, um, just to stay fresh on it. And my sophomore year in college, I was, um, I was approached by, you know, um, uh, somebody at the San Renee's consulate in, uh, Troy, Michigan, which we have a, a large San Renee's community in Detroit for those that don't know sure actually nobody really knows that but <laughs> um yeah so that's you know one of the big reasons why um you know that, that my family lives in detroit is because um you know they they uh, immigrated here from from san marino um and and still there's a large community like i said in the surrounding area but 
Um, I had a teammate, uh, Dave Habit and Stevan Micic. Uh, both of them were, were deciding to wrestle for different countries. And it kind of all just, just really fell into place. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I, was, I was still pretty young, a sophomore in college, like I said. And um, I knew that, you know, uh, I wanted to get international experience right away. And to be honest with you, at the time, um, you know, I, I saw myself as a, a little bit of a disadvantage being, you know, 18, 19 years old. And, you know, some of the, the, the best guys in the world were, were representing the U.S., obviously. Um, and uh, so for me, I thought, hey, w- what an opportunity. Obviously, you know, I'm, I'm an American and, um, you know, nobody's ever going to, at least nobody that I, I, I care about and that knows me, knows that they're ever going to judge me for, for wrestling for another country because I obviously, if you know me, I'm, I'm actually, uh, you know, very prideful to be an American as well. But um, so I thought, hey, I'm going to give myself the best opportunity possible, not knowing how long my wrestling career is going to be. And um, so I, I kind of just, you know, made made stuff, made stuff happen, really. Just, you know, went over to San Marino, met with the Olympic Committee, uh, did a little wrestle-off tryout kind of thing. And um, boom, right before you know it, you know, six months later, I was wrestling at the European Championships. Um, in 2019, and that was my first competition for them. I love, is this story unbelievable? I mean, if you saw the timeline of this man's family, okay, it's amazing. You're, are you third or fourth generation wrestler? Uh, third. third. Yeah, my, my, my grandpa started, uh, the, the, the wrestling trend, at least on the, the, a high level. Well, yeah, I'd say you're at the high level. You just took bronze in the Olympics. <laughs> yeah. I think you're terrific. Um, <laughs> We've had you on the show before, but more than anything at that time, I think we're talking college wrestling. How and and for our fans, for our listeners out there, describe the difference. And they're subtle, right? Uh, the difference between folk style and freestyle. Yeah. So uh, the biggest difference is there's a, not much of an emphasis on uh, top bottom wrestling and, and freestyle. You know, obviously you have to ha- be sound defensively and freestyle on bottom because you know there's that 10 second time window where if you don't know what you're doing you get tech fall you know get gutted up or laced up but um the big thing is yeah if you're if you're a defensive if you're good enough defensively you really don't have to wrestle on the mat at all i mean if, if uh and, and freestyle um you can really just uh you get taken down and the ref gives about 10 seconds for the guy to turn you and then you come back up and that's the same if you get a takedown and then another another big difference in freestyle is also that um um takedowns are are scored a little bit differently so all i have to do is expose your back um from the the neutral position um and i can get either two points or four points if it's feet to back then it's going to be a four point takedown whether or not i gain control i can just throw you over my head let go (laughs) and you know that's four or five points so that that makes it a big difference and then uh the third thing is uh that i would say is the biggest difference is the push out rule so you really have to be have a lot of mad awareness because right. um, if you get pushed out, then it's it's a point in freestyle. Miles, I mean, our guest, incredible accomplishments at the Olympics, matched only by the story that of his family. The words wrestling and Amin are really no strangers to each other. They go back hand in hand for, uh, you know, my calculation over eighty years. What are your thoughts yeah. on on being able to? To, to take that banner for your family and be the wrestler on the mat now, uh, it's got to be something quite special. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's part of the reason why I still wrestle. Um, kind of, um, you know, do some reflection and, and think about, you know, the Olympics is obviously, you know, 
kind of the pinnacle of wrestling. So after, um, I thought it was only right that I kind of take a step back and think about why I, why I wanted to accomplish that stuff and continue wrestling. And, um, you know, one of the, the main answers I had was that it was just, it's so deeply rooted in, in my family's culture and in our values, you know, that everything, you know, almost, almost everything is, is shaped by the sport of wrestling. Um, you know, just the, the way that my family, you know, carries itself and, um, the, the values that, that were instilled through wrestling are make us who we are. So, um, you know, my grandpa started the tradition as being Olympian for Lebanon back in the, uh, 1956 and 1960. And then, um, you know, my dad and my uncle carried the tradition through Michigan. And now we have a, a crazy thing going at Michigan. I think we're, uh, we're just, we're trying to find out the record for family members, you know, <laughs> at, on an athletic team. Cause there's six at Michigan uh, with us in wrestling. So, I mean, that just kind of speaks to, to your, your question. It's just, uh, I, I don't really know what, uh, what life would be like without wrestling right. for my family. Well, and Michigan is uh, uh, terrific when it comes to sports anyway, but uh, University of Michigan, obviously very proud of its wrestlers. Cliff Keen is based there in Michigan. We have so many good friends, so many people that listen in Michigan uh, and have for many, many, many years. All right, at the time when your grandfather was 33 years old, I think he had five kids, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, my, my dad's from a, a very big family. He has uh, ten total siblings, including himself. So, <laughs> <laughs> and he was we, a... you, you can only imagine what those holidays look like. <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> All right, but he was a butcher, right? And and yeah. uh, and a driver for Spirit Airlines at age seventy-seven until he died at age ninety. Dude was still yeah. given everything he had. There are some incredible photos out there, and in doing my research for our interview. I wanted to catch a little bit more than the most recent, which was the bronze medal. What would you say to your grandfather at this point, uh, having won the bronze for San Marino? Um, you know, I, I, I think I, I tried to, to say it to him even when he wasn't here. Uh, you know, I just, you know, that we can we did it. Um, you know, I, I used to go over to his house, you know, at least once every once or uh, every two weeks or, you know, a couple of times a month and just, you know, whenever he was there, he wanted to talk about wrestling. You know, he could be having a terrible day, but he'd say, oh, who would you wrestle? You know, who would you wrestle? Or, uh, you know, what, what tournament did you wrestle in? Let me see your medal. He just assumed we were winning medals. You know, hey, there was no no going there and just showing up for participation. So, um, you know, I, I think, yeah, he was, he was really, I, I thought about, you know, him before my match and kind of just, you know, was, was thinking about, you know, in uh, respect for him, you know, and not to win, but just wrestle my best match. And I didn't even end up wrestling, you know, my best match in the bronze medal, but I found a way to win. And I, I attribute a lot of that, you know, last, last 30 second push to, to him. And, you know, that, that fighting spirit that, you know, he kind of gave to my family. You know, what's interesting is that, uh, you were about 10 when you picked up wrestling, right? Yeah. Okay. And at that point, you had no clue that your father and grandfather both competed. No. Yeah. My, my dad really could try to hide the fact that he, uh, <laughs> he wrestled to us. It was funny. Cause there's a, there's kind of a, an infamous story between, um, one of, uh, my, my family's best friends and I, our old neighbor of, uh, he, right when YouTube came out, he, uh, he showed us, um, my dad's, my dad's first match and, he wasn't even thinking him and my dad are, you know, they're, they're, they're best friends now, but 
we had just moved into these guys and or moved in next door to them. And uh, he was showing us a video on YouTube of my dad losing in the NCAA finals. <laughs> and so the first match that I ever saw was was my dad losing in the NCAA finals. And I remember how mad he was <laughs> at my neighbor, but he had no clue that, that he lost that match. He just wanted to show him a, a video of him wrestling. And I remember that that was kind of a funny first memory is we, we didn't realize, you know, how much of uh, an honor it was to even be, you know, towing the line in the NCAA finals. So, um, yeah, my, my dad and my grandpa both kind of kept, um, kept it quiet. So I think to kind of reduce the pressure and reduce the, you know, um, the, the kind of uh, push into the sport, sure. um, so that, you know, we would kind of organically find our way into it. And you know what? That's, that's the key right there. I think to success is if you find yourself organically, uh, attracted to something by goodness sakes, here's the difference you're not going to end up hating it. Okay. Because if you are pushed and pushed and pushed and the expectations are right up here, almost out of reach, um, you know, you're, you're going to end up hating the sport, whatever the sport is, doesn't have to, but wrestling is very personal, isn't it? I oh think. yeah. 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 And for, <laughs> for you and your brother, is it Malik? Yeah. Malik. Malik. I'm sorry. Um, how old is he now? He is 26 and you are younger. Yeah, I'm 24. How about that? You guys get along? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. At, at one point, you and uh, Malik were some of the best high school wrestlers in the country. And how did you end up at Michigan? Tell us the story about how you chose Michigan uh, as a place to call home. Oh yeah, that's a that's a great story actually. Um, at, at first, you know, I'm I'm one of the youngest. There's my younger cousin Cameron, but. Um, at the time, my, my cousin Jordan, my older cousin Jordan and brother Malik were both wrestling at Michigan. And, you know, my dad and my uncle had wrestled there. So uh, everybody, all the college coaches before recruiting me kind of just, you know, they, they dropped the question right off the bat, just, you're going to Michigan, right? <laughs> and, you know, I, I was only about a sophomore in, in high school hearing that, and it kind of ticked me off a little bit. Like, you know, Michigan, they, you know, I, I was a young kid, so a little bit naive, and I didn't realize you know, what tradition or any of that thing meant. And so I was kind of like, well, Michigan doesn't own, you know, they, they, they have my brother and they have my cousin, but you know, they didn't do anything for me yet. And, uh, <laughs> so I, I was kind of a, I tried to be, you know, a rebel a little bit and, and take visits other places. You know, I went to, to Arizona state and, and Northwestern and Indiana, Purdue, um, Rutgers. Um, really it was boiled down to my, my top three other schools were Rutgers, Northwestern and Arizona state. But, um, you know, I ended up really narrowing it down to, to Northwestern and Michigan, um, by the time I had taken my visits and at, at the point in time, my, my junior year, I was set that I was going to be going to, to Northwestern. Um, at the time they had three number one recruits the year before me, um, Stefan Michich, uh, Johnny Sebastian and Bryce Brill. Wow. And funny story, Stefan was one of the guys that took me on my visit to Northwestern and I bonded with him really well. Um, and I came home and I said, Hey, I, th I think I'm going to commit to Northwestern. And my dad, you know, being obviously so connected to Michigan said, hold up, just, you know, you have one more visit in Ann Arbor, uh, you know, let's, let's take that visit. And, you know, not because, um, not because he wanted me to go to Michigan, but he just said it's the right thing to do to, you know, to, to show the respect for Michigan. And also just because, you know, you want to be very objective about it. And so I took my visit to Michigan and, uh, I don't know, some weird, 
there was some magic in the air that day in Ann Arbor. <laughs> did they, you know, did they was, take they, you down they, on the football field? Yeah, they took me down on the football field. You know, a beautiful day. Um, I think they had a ranked win against, uh, I don't remember who they, they beat, but it was a, a Big Ten school, Wisconsin, I think. And, you know, I, I ended up hanging out with my brother and some of the, the freshmen and bonded really well with them. And just a beautiful weekend. And then, um, you know, Michigan um, really kind of uh, made, it, made it hard for me to say no. And so I came back and I said, all right, I think I'm going to go to Michigan. <laughs> and, you know, the funny thing is, is, is after that moment, um, you know, things kind of, uh, things kind of got shaken up a little bit at Northwestern. And uh, as Stevan was hosting me, you know, a couple months before, turned out that fall that I was, uh, you know, um, I was getting ready to go to Michigan. I was hosting Stevan for his official visit and he committed to Michigan after that. And, <laughs> so we kind of did a flip-flop, you know, I was going to go to Northwestern, <laughs> but then I ended up getting him to come to Michigan. So, um, yeah, that, that was kind of, that was all she wrote. I got to ask you, and we're going to go a little long, uh, on this interview. Okay. I, yeah. I find it very interesting to be able to talk to people like you who don't have a problem describing their life. Okay. So I have to ask you your opinion on, uh, some of the stuff that has come out, uh, as of late. And I'm talking about Gable Dan Stevenson, okay? Yeah. Um, he put it out there that he was approached for football contracts with the NFL, that he was approached uh, for a UFC contract with Dana White, and that he was approached uh, and considering a, a career with the WWE. It's kind of disingenuous to me that he put all that out there, but those were called false flags, okay? I'm just wondering if this, and by the way, his contract with the WWE and other properties, in other words, uh, where he's, they're going to be attaching his name and likeness to that product, is the number one guy in sports today. He, yeah. Did he do it that. right? Or would you have done it any differently? What are your thoughts, Miles? No, yeah. So I was actually, you know, I, I saw Gable at the Olympics, and I, I knew his brother pretty well because that Pan American trip I was talking about earlier, my roommate was Bobby Stevenson. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, the, the, the Stevensons, uh, you know, I've known them since my, my sophomore year in high school and always, you know, because him and Mason have a, a big rivalry, my teammate, but um, I've always had a lot of, of respect for him. And I know that some of the stuff that he does, he, he's, he's a genius in marketing, man. He, he really, uh, he really does a good job of promoting himself and the sport of wrestling. And uh, I think sometimes he, he get, comes off as, you know, uh, you know, uh, disingenuous kind of, uh, or, you know, cocky or, or not. But I, I think that he, whatever he's doing, um, he's doing right. right. You know, and to, to your point, um, you know, I, I thought after the Olympics, uh, he didn't really make a bad move. <laughs> I <laughs> no. mean, whoever either, either he's a genius or he's working with somebody who knows really what they're doing because, um, I mean, the way that just, he, he kind of, kept people on their toes for the last month with, you know, the, like you said, the NFL, the UFC, um, he was, you know, he had a, a, enough courage to, to call out Dana White, you know? <laughs> and, um, so I thought that he, uh, he did, um, he did exactly the right thing. I mean, I don't think I would have played it differently personally if I had been in his shoes, but the biggest thing too, is that, um, you know, I, I personally, 
enjoy the fact that he's coming back because I think it's great for the, the sport of right. uh, NCAA wrestling, especially. And, uh, you know, and for me, you know, I'm a Michigan guy, so I say, hey, it's, it's great for my, my teammate Mason, too, because, you know, he's going he's gonna to be right back on that, that spotlight and, you know, giving Gable everything, you know, he can ask for. Obviously, you know, the, the, the series hasn't gone his way, but I, I look forward to their battles. I mean, they're, they're on a different level, both those guys. You know, I've got to give credit where credit's due. Um, Mike raised uh, some tremendous sons, i got to tell you. And I know yeah. I, I know others are involved like mother, right? But um, it really does fall on Mike, uh, your dad. Uh, what a job he's done. You were perhaps one of my favorite people to interview. And telling, <laughs> telling your story and, and, you know, over 30 years, you think about this, over 30 years, I can honestly say you're in the top five. Oh, that that me, that means a lot. Seriously, I mean, <laughs> well, I know all the people you've interviewed, so I mean, that, that, that's tremendous. And I and I got to give a shout out. I know if my mom's listening, yeah. hey, she did a lot of work. <laughs> of course, she. <laughs> uh, sometimes where you know my dad couldn't fill that role. My my mom was uh was the one that was the enforcer in the classroom. So you know I wouldn't be wrestling at the Division One level if it wasn't for her. Give our best to Malik, would you? Yep, I will. Miles, I mean, uh, a bronze medal, but really that was just the beginning of the story. And it's always a privilege to be able to talk to Miles. Anybody that goes to uh, Michigan, even the Rex Steiners, okay? <laughs> I remember that's where I met Scott and Rick Rex Steiner at Michigan. They went on to uh, incredible uh, careers within professional wrestling. And, uh, man, never looked back. Joe McFarland, uh, uh, introduced the uh, introduced us to him and them, and it was so much fun. Anyway, Miles, have a great rest of your day. I appreciate the time, bud. Yeah. So, uh, tell great one. tell Barmet I said hello. Will you? Yeah, I will. All right, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take care. You God bless. All right, there we go. Miles, mean, uh, what a way to 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 begin the program. Uh, un unbelievable, Miles, mean, bronze medalist wrestling for. Um, San Marino, by the way, there's the San Marino, California, and then there's the San Marino country inside the country of Italy. Isn't Rome a country as well? Uh, not Rome. I think you're thinking of the Vatican City. Okay, so Vatican is, City is a country. Yeah, it's technically a country within Rome. Right. Within Italy. So if a part of the town on the other side of the wall of Vatican City were to catch fire with the Vatican City... <laughs> The fire department go around and go outside the wall and help? It's a great question. That's, would, that's a question for the Pope, probably. And by Not the me. way, for those of you that weren't uh, awoke, awake. Woken up? Yeah. If you had not woke up yet, <laughs> <laughs> the sirens would have done it for you. Windsor Heights, uh, property damage, incredible fires at, uh, in the wee hours of the morning. We hope everybody's okay. We hope, uh, uh, you know, they they're, they're, they're calling in the tobacco and uh, fire alcohol ATF agents to come in. So there's something going on there. Well, anyway, appreciate the time today. You're listening to USA Takedown, Casper and Jones. As we uh, continue the program on the other side, this is 1350 ESPN. You know you like it. Have no fear. The true American will be right back with more USA Takedown. 
All right, welcome back to the show. It is USA Takedown, Casper and Jones in studio today. And by the way, thank you, Kira. You always make us sound so very, very good. Appreciate that. I know our sponsors do too, by the way. <laughs> Want to thank Wild Rose Casino also, uh, and resorts, by the way, and PBS Landscaping, Mullet's Restaurant, HassleFreeMarketing.com, Mark Cody and his Presbyterian College Blue Holes Wrestling Programs, Defense Soap, all here at 1350 ESPN and at 102.1 FM, right? Okay, got that right. All right, next up is a guy that initially caught my ear and eye because of his time as a assistant coach and a head coach in uh, a suburb of Chicago, and he joins us now. It's Oak Park High School, right? Mike Powell jo- joins us. Mike, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, buddy. Did I get that right? Oak Park, Illinois? Oak Park River Forest High School, so yeah, OPRF. Okay, so that's a combined effort there. I love that. Yeah. And that gives you a lot more kids to draw from, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a school of almost 4,000. Holy cow. We, we had a leg up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd say. I'd say. But, you know, delivery of just because you have numbers doesn't necessarily say, hey, we're going to be great at this sport. But in, 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 in your case, it started very early. You were five years old, jumping off the walls, and your dad said, or saw an ad in the paper for a local wrestling club. What was that like for you at five years old? Uh, you know, I don't remember too much. I remember my first practice was super scary. I was <laughs> by far the youngest kid. That, you know, youth wrestling was not, early youth wrestling was not really a thing then. So I was five. I think the next youngest kid was nine or ten. So wow. I, hid in the, I hid in the bathroom. I, practice. <laughs> I cr- cried most of the time. <laughs> it was, you know, I ended up, it was a great, childhood spent with my father i was gonna say i was was lucky to have really quality humans as coaches so cared about kids first and character first and that was a big piece it's that you just beat me to it it's character it's a character building exercise that's wrestling really boils down to right mike yeah and that's why i'm part of beat the streets so there's you know wrestling shaped me in a way and, and and i was kid that definitely could have gone the wrong way and wrestling was always there. My coaches were always there. Um, and so I feel like my time at beat the streets now is about giving back and providing opportunities for kids to, to work in wrestling and shape themselves through wrestling. Again, we don't, I'm I'm big on, you know, we don't change anybody's lives. We provide opportunity, structure, discipline that helps kids change their own lives. Um, but that's, you know, that's kind of why I'm doing what I'm doing now. Talk to us a little bit about (laughs) <laughs> you're doing so much there was a time when some people had written you off when you were diagnosed with polymyositis right polymyositis yeah yeah i was uh i got pretty sick for a while there mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm you know i'm doing really well now i have two children i never thought i'd have kids i, I i'm healthy enough to i like low-grade active disease so i just kind of manage my lifestyle and i go to bed early i get tired pretty quick but i i get a lot done during the day i'm able to be a father and you know, run a charity. So, um, I'm, I'm really lucky. You know, I hesitate to call, uh, beat the streets a charity. You know why? Because beat the streets is so much to so many charity hardly ever gets into the conversation. I'm yeah, just, yeah, just, I, I, I like that because I don't, I, and I don't like the word charity because we're not giving things to right. people. We're providing opportunities. So you, again, you know, there, there's something to that. I mean, we technically are a 501c3 charity. Right. So, but you're right. We're far more than a charity. Exactly. And that's one of the things I like. You have a 
your own facility in Chicago. Uh, now, and by the way, thanks for keeping us posted on LinkedIn, Facebook, etc. But tell us Absolutely. about the new facility. So it is, it's world-class. I just, I just had three donors there who were guys that donated, helped make it happen. And they had only seen it when it was down to the studs. And they said, I, you know, they were like, this is the nicest wrestling gym I've ever been in. <laughs> These guys are, college, you know, high school and college wrestlers. And uh, so, it, I mean, it really is, I would put it, at, you know, up there with the best, maybe D3 colleges. It's a sh- huge wrestling room, a classroom where we do mentoring, tutoring, test prep, financial literacy, nutrition, coaches ed, that type of stuff. Um, we, we, our kids are studying there after school right now. Um, then we have a smaller wrestling room, and we have a weight room. We have three locker rooms, a coaches, a boys and a girls, and we have our offices. So, you know, there's the drinking fountain. It's the whole nine yards, and it is it's spec'd out. We raised $2.1 million for the wow. whole privately funded. And it, 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 it looks every bit of it. I mean, it's a, it's a professional-level gym. And my thing is, for too long, these kids have been, you know, you know practicing in their school uniforms and their socks, you know, in the dark hallways of Chicago public schools or the cafeterias and that's they're 30 years old and they, and they go on Instagram and they see these guys at Izzy style and overtime and all these private gyms out West. And, you know, they're like, you know, we're not good enough. And so <laughs> come in our gym, it's the best gym in Illinois. So now you have no excuse. You know, but all right. I keep telling them we're going to cross that border from the city to the suburbs and we're going to start tuning these kids up. And that's the, that, that, that's the goal is what we're, our kids are p- putting the work in right now, and I think you're gonna you're gonna hear about some of our some of the Chicago kids pretty soon. I wonder, and if, hopefully, we'll be sending them to great high schools and great colleges. Well, of course, and that's the ultimate goal, right? To get a right. great Absolutely. education through the sport. Uh, our Absolutely. guest, Mike Powell, uh, you might remember him at uh, Oak Park River Forest. That did I get it right? Yep, at, Oak Park oh, River sure. Forest. <laughs> All right. Anyway, he's been on the show before, but. I didn't uh, at that time have enough time to really prepare and dive deep into uh, your career. But, you know, in college, you went to uh, Indiana University. You were an All-American with a seventh-place finish in 1996. One of the greatest things you learned in the sport at that point was that your career did not go the way it should have but or could have. Uh, but it took you a while to get underneath that. In other words, to really own that it was your behavior that um, allowed your time to expire. Talk to us a little bit about that because that's that's what a man does. Yeah, so that, I think that's a big piece for me is is the vulnerability piece in coaching. And when you're trying to mentor someone and, and showing your flaws and owning them is a really big piece. You know, we talked about, we obviously have, 20% women that beat the streets now. But, you know, when I was coaching high school, I was, hey, you know, real men admit that they have flaws. They right. acknowledge them. You know, we make mistakes. We learn from the mistakes. And all we can do is, you know, get better each day. But in my college, I blew my college career. You know, I, I had some injuries uh, that I blamed a lot of things on. I blamed a lot of things on my young, uh, inex- you know, Dwayne was young and inexperienced. Then I think he became the head coach at 27. I was there when he, you know, I was my freshman year. I think he's 28 years old. And so, you know, he, Dwayne did the best he could. We had some great assistants and, you know, I just kind of blamed everybody, but myself and right. then I graduated college and I said, you know, I'm starting to coach kids. And I realized, you know, it was on me. I could have won the NCAAs. You know, I just wasn't disciplined enough, wasn't courageous enough and didn't put in the time. And so, um, 
you know, owning that was a big piece of me going forward and making me a better coach. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely believe that my failures in wrestling and the humility created by it um, and the ownership of it made me a much, much better coach. So. We're talking with Mike Powell, uh, Beat the Streets Chicago. And at the very foundation of Beat the Streets, it was, I'll take you back to New York, Long Island. Uh, Al Bevilacqua had this idea, had this dream. He knew of a guy from wrestling, wrestled at Princeton. His name is Mike Novogratz. And uh, Mike was already prepared to give Al a donation. Now here's your check. Now get out. Uh, it's called walking away money. And, uh, but Al, Al, Al needed more than that. Okay. He needed a, a lifetime, uh, of constant injections of cash to help a program in his mind's eye, uh, that could help America's youth because at, at the time there were no, uh, junior high programs in the city of New York or the, uh, uh, Bron- Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens, whatever. There were no high school programs. Yeah. So what, what, uh, they did is inspire all of those that had had a chance to wrestle, to come together and form this organization, beat the streets. Uh, and what a success it's been. Well, you've taken it in um, another step. Okay. You've taken it to a point where Chicago clearly stands apart from everybody else because of what you're providing. And, uh, you're obviously having success on a personal level as well. You know, this, this challenge you had physically, I think, um, by the way, the, uh, 2012 ESPN E 60 feature presentation entitled, uh, in re- uh, relentless pursuit, Mike Powell's fight is one of the most, uh, requested online. And I found, I, you know, I find that it's, it's everything that I wanted it to be. Okay. And it's because you're a good man. Uh, from the very beginning, you're a very good man and you understand what wrestling has done for you. Agree or disagree? Um, the E60 thing uh, was a great honor. I feel like I was a little harsh on one of the kids in the video, so it, it, also, it also caused me to reflect and become a better coach. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, never, I never knew I looked, I didn't know I yelled that loud at kids, but. Um, it, you know, it was a humbling moment. And there's, there's a lot there, which you just said, but I, I'd like to go back to New York. You know, Beat the Streets actually started in Chicago, but, but New York took it and made it what it is, Novogratz and Al. And, and, though, and we're not setting the standard. The standard is really set by New York and Philly and L.A. And we're, we're, we're just catching up. We did create this model for this facility, this facility-based model. Okay. Where we believe... Um, you know, my experiences at Oak Park were we picked their classes. We knew their family. We knew their aunts and uncles, their cousins. We were at their family barbecues. We were in contact with these kids 350 days a year. We had practice on Thanksgiving and Christmas oftentimes because we knew some of our kids weren't going to have a great Thanksgiving or Christmas. You know, we had teen Thanksgiving on Sundays at somebody's house. We traveled together. We, I mean, we, we just did everything together with these kids. And what we saw is the needle move for kids who might not have had opportunities the way they did and go to schools like Northwestern and West Point and the Naval Academy and Stanford. And so we had this tremendous success. But, the, but if you're going to move the needle for a kid by the time, you know, if four, between 14 and 18 or 12 and 18, it has to the, the contact hours have to be extreme. Right. And, the, and the, you know, there, there has to be, you know, my trilogy is trust, love, and truth. 
and before you ever get to truth, you, you know, you have to build trust and love. And, um, if, if, you know, and then you can start coaching a kid, but it's hard to do that at an after school program. And so my, in my early, in my tenure at beat the streets, we, we were growing wrestling in the city of Chicago, like, like exponentially, but there, but we didn't have control over how the coaches did things. You know, guys are showing up late or, you know, there's just some of the, the programming. Don't get me wrong. Some of our coaches are awesome, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, it's like, okay, is, are we really going to have that impact in the city? My goal was to kind of create the model that we had in Oak Park citywide. And obviously we're going to need a lot of resources and everything else. Um, but it's so intensive that if you're actually going to do that, you have to have your own space. And, and case in point, COVID hits, all of our programming shut down. So we're, our partners are Chicago Public Schools. They shut down. And Chicago Park District, they shut down. I mean, literally for 16 months. And so while... We get the we get the facility open in June. L.A., Philly, and New York are still shut down. I think Philly was doing some things. L.A. hasn't been back on the mat since COVID hit, and they're and they're keeping their kids. They're doing an unbelievable job with their kids, doing a lot of off the mat stuff. And, um, but we were able to get six hundred kids on the wrestling mat for Holy three and a half hours a day. We we had six hundred kids in our almost six hundred five hundred and you know, almost 89 or something. And from 142 different schools, including 70 Chicago public schools. So, and we kids from almost every zip code in the city. And so now we're starting to form these relationships with the families. They're coming here. This is their home. You know, it's, and so now kids are doing their homework. Kids have mentors. Kids are getting assigned tutors. They're bringing their schedule in, Love talking it. about nutrition. We're planning for their future college. We're having FAFSA workshops. So we're starting to do the things that we were able to do at Oak Park on a much bigger scale and making them available for low or no cost to kids who otherwise wouldn't have these opportunities. So that's what the facility model is doing for us. Now, the, I, I don't know how scalable it is, but we're creating a system that will make it scalable. So our goal is, L.A. wants their own facility. New York wants their own facility. Philly has kind of a facility. They want another one, and they're going to expand their current one. So our goal is to be able to outsource this to the other 10 beat-the-street cities and say, hey, you know, here's our files. We'd like to consult to this. So some of these guys are already starting their capital campaigns. Mm-hmm. And so the ho- we're hoping that this model catches on. And while we do this kind of intensive model at this facility where we – Everybody from beginning five, you know, four and five year olds to kids that are going, you know, to University of Illinois as, as seniors type type programming. But we have this core of about fifty kids who are with us nonstop year round, and that's rapidly growing at the facility. And so the goal is to have a couple hundred kids by the end of the year who are all in. You know, they might go play football, they might play a music instrument. We don't think kids should specialize at ten. You know what I mean? Right. But they're always coming back to the facility, right? Their parents know that we're a resource for academics, for, for nutrition, for everything else that, that they could possibly need in their life. You know, Ellis Coleman's mom didn't hesitate to call me about anything. And so that's the goal, is to create a space um, that will be truly impactful, not just an opportunity to learn the sport. So... Um, um, I think, and not, not that other cities are not doing that. They really are. Philly's got this incredible mentoring program. You know, New York's got this really intensive program for their most dedicated kids. Right. LA's got something similar. So these guys, everybody, everybody's model is a little bit different. But I love this facility-based model because we control every variable. 
You know nobody what? can shut nobody can shut us down except for the Illinois Department of Health. Right? <laughs> they they can't they can't tell us what to teach or how to teach it. Right? So there's all these barriers that we kind of took down by becoming privately funded. We didn't take any government money for re- good reason. We didn't want anybody telling us what to do. There we you know go. what great life changing programming looks like. And so I hired the best coaches we could possibly find. I stole my diction from my home, home of modern <laughs> Indiana, you know, which is <laughs> sorry, Angel. Uh, Mike and I go way back. Um, and we just, you know, we hired these two women, Kathy Yen and Hannah Weigel, who are just, ex, ex, you know, exemplary people. And what we're seeing now is the needle being moved for a lot of kids. Mike Powell has been our guest. Mike, we appreciate you taking the time. You were once quoted as saying, I live an unbelievably fulfilled life. And you know what? I'm here to tell you folks, that is absolutely the truth. Mike, you're one of the guys that inspires me to do this program after all these years. And I appreciate you joining us on the program today. Take care of Beat the Street Chicago. It sounds like you have something really, really great going on there. And I appreciate we, that. We got to get you to the facility, Scott. You're, you're, you have an open invite. God bless. Maybe I'll bring shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. Mike, God bless. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. There we go. Mike Powell. Uh, what a tremendous story. What an inspiration he is. When we come back, we'll talk to another guy. Uh, that is a coach. Matter of fact, he's the head coach for Team USA Greco. Okay. And that's Matt Lindland. He's up next, 1350 ESPN. Stay tuned. All guests on USA Takedown appear on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. Joe Rogan said, That stuff is awesome. I just ordered a ton of it and use it every day. Defense Soap, it's what the pros use. All right, here we go. Here we go now. Coast to coast, border to border, and all those ships at sea. It is USA Takedown, America's home for wrestling, mixed martial arts, and boxing. And, of course, we talk about it every week between 9 and 11 a.m. Central time, by the way. And uh, so many athletes and coaches make time for this program because they want to get their words out there. One of the guys I really enjoy talking to, and it wasn't always like that, okay, is our next guest. Matt Lindland is the head coach for Team USA Greco. He joins us now. Good morning, Matt. How are you? Hi, Scott. I'm doing wonderful. How about yourself, brother? Oh, man. I got to tell you, you and I have known each other for 25, maybe 28 years, something like that. And, oh, yeah. And, I, and, and what, here's what I've noticed is that you want to win, not at all costs. You want to win because that's your goal, that's your desire. Where do you feel and how do you feel about uh, the Olympic program and how we did in Tokyo. Well, man, the guy, the guys wrestled pretty dang good. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, you know, I mean, we, we did not produce the, the medals we were hoping for. It's Olympic games. Uh, you know, it's the best, the best there. We, we fell short. I think, you know, I don't want to be the guy that's complaining about calls, but it just seemed like there was, there was a couple of uh, those moments where they just didn't go our way and momentum shifted. And that was all it took for us to, to drop a couple matches, but you got, you know, Alex Sancho going out and scoring four point moves on, on, uh, Surkoff and, you know, Ildar lost to the guy that the Cuban that won it. And he lost the bronze medal is, you know, in really tight matches. Um, you know, Hancock went, went one and one, you know, and just, Lost that, you know, on that little push-out crazy call that he, that he wanted to challenge, and I was very hesitant to challenge it because, 
you know, one point makes a big difference in, in those kind of matches. But honestly, the, the guys wrestled really well. Um, I was excited to, to see this new world team selected this last weekend in Lincoln, Nebraska. So lots of good stuff going on. Let's talk a little bit about that because it was at that Greco-Roman Championship Series, Senior World Team Trials in Lincoln. Um, the veteran talent was evident, but there are some exciting young stars looking to make a breakthrough. Who are they? Well, I mean, that's that's been my plan since I got here to this, this job. And, you know, I mean, I showed up. The cupboard was bare. There was zero pipeline. There right. was just nobody. Well, there weren't people wrestling Greco. I mean, not that there is a ton right now. But we have more athletes wrestling Greco-Roman in the younger, you know, in the younger age development areas. But you know, more so, it just there was nobody coming up, and we were hanging on to you know guys like Robbie and Andy Bisick and you know some some really good good athletes, but they were just getting a little past their prime, and and there was just nobody. So you know, my model is, you know, I, I hear it all the time. Oh, I want to do Greco. I want to do Greco. Well, then why are you doing? all these other things, you know, I think, you know, I think about, you know, at about 15, 16, you know, you have to decide, do I want to, do I want to go to college and wrestle in the NCAA system? Because if I do, I need to focus on that for the next three years of high school. I'm going to have to focus on that for the next four to five years of college. And it is different skills, different development models, everything you can think of. Or do you, you tell me you want to do Greco, then, then stop doing this other stuff and, and start doing Greco. We had guys do that, guys like uh, Alston Nutter, Benji Peake. Uh, Peyton Omania was is you know an anomaly. He's doing both. But, you know, if you ever watch him in college, he's hitting headlocks and hunters. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and he does. He makes college wrestling exciting. The kid just loves to be on the mat and train and compete. He's an incredible athlete. Um, but... We need to start capturing these guys. Uh, Kamal Bay, you know, didn't didn't finish wrestling in high school his senior year. Tracy Hancock didn't wrestle high school his senior year. I'm trying to get these guys to come from their, you know, spend their junior senior year in a Greco program. By the time they're they're 19, 20 years old, they can start winning those world titles. You know, I mean, think about think about 2020 when when we lost. You know, we lost the year. No juniors. I had three returning medalists that all had junior eligibility. I had uh, Alston Nutter. I had Peyton Omania. I had Colton Schultz. And Colton had, had been already a two-time world medalist. He was a bronze, and then he was a silver. He lost to an Iranian. And then uh, his third year. So we had we had all these talented guys that didn't get that opportunity to, to wrestle in the development plan. I'm, I'm bringing these guys up the pipeline. And then and then you look at, you know, all those athletes we just talked about, they're all on our U23 team. Mm-hmm. So if they didn't make this, if they didn't make this world team at senior level, like, like Tracy, like Colton, like Peyton, well, I got Alston, I got Benji, I got David Stepanian, I got all those guys that fell short at the senior trials. Because U23 is senior. I mean, you're no longer a junior, right. you're a senior athlete. You know, but it's, it's kind of like our, our second string, and this is the first year we've really had that. So this is, this takes a little time to, to put a plan in place and execute that plan, and it's it's starting to, you know, produce some fruit. But, you know, I think losing two years of, almost of COVID, COVID-19 stuff where we weren't able to get our athletes overseas. I mean, we'd be in Europe right now. As soon as the second that team was selected, we'd be over in Europe just because of the scheduling, 
But, uh, I mean, we're only dealing with that scheduling because of COVID. But, you know, so we didn't even get our, our best guys overseas. And, and we need more funding to do that. We need more funding to get these athletes overseas, get them to Europe, get them the training competition they need to develop. And, and we've got – we don't need all the athletes. I mean, freestyle's got a lot of them. You know, they've got a lot of great ones. But uh, we just need a few really, really talented, you know, exciting athletes like we've got. And uh, – we need to train them properly. Mm. Matt Lindland, our guest, uh, head coach, Team USA Greco. And it's Oslo, Norway. That's next on the schedule, Matt. That's coming right up, dude. <coughs> October 2nd uh, through the 10th. Uh, so who steps up <coughs> to uh, be on the world team for Team USA? I'm going to start with Ben Provisor. Tell us a little bit about Ben. He's been on the show many times, but uh, you know, from your vantage point, what does he bring? Ben's, a, Ben's an experienced veteran, you know, that has been on two Olympic teams, made a couple of world teams. Um, and he, you know, he's that guy because of his coach, Dennis Hall, that, that took that model early. One of the few guys that, that took that model early and said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to skip doing the, the college route. I'm just going to focus on Greco. And now at, at 30 years old, he's going back to college and, and he is going to wrestle uh, in college while he gets his degree there at Grandview University. I've heard of it. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, Ben Ben's hitting his, his, his prime right about now. Um, and he's scoring more points. Yep. You know, ben, you know Ben's a, a, a great Greco wrestler because he's got phenomenal position. He's got a good turn on top. And he's got good defense. And, uh, you know, but now he's starting to score more points. I mean, I, I haven't seen Ben tech anybody in a long time. And at this tournament, he teched two athletes. Uh, <laughs> on his on his way to making that team, so um, really, really impressive to see Ben, you know, stepping up his game. And he's out there by you, right? You can't be far from no, no. He's just he's flying out of the morning. I know that. <laughs> and he's also married with kids. How about that? All right. <clears throat> Before we're out of time, I want to make sure we mention uh, one of my favorite interviews, and it's Giangelo Tracy Hancock or Tracy Giangelo Hancock. Sunkiss kids, ninety-seven kilos looks good on this guy. Oh yeah, he, I mean he's a big boy for ninety-seven. To be honest, I mm-hmm. mean he's one of the you know he's one of the bigger, stronger, more athletic guys at that weight class. You don't see big men move as well as Tracy does, and and he has taken that model. You know he came over to to the he was one of my first athletes I recruited, Tracy and Kamal Bay. I didn't know that. Got him right out of high school and. and you know, we got we had to go to Chicago and, and convince uh, Kamal to move out here. But Tracy was living right in town, just on the south south end of town. You know, and uh, so we brought him in the training centers. Thought if we give him some, you know, some structure, some rules, uh, some you know, more things to be disciplined about, and uh, the kid just fell in love with the sport of Greco Roman wrestling and has really excelled. You know, he's won he's won medals at the junior level. Uh, he's making teams. And he, he's poised right now to, you know, start, I mean, he was in, he was on his way, you know, in 19 to having a really great year. And then, like I said, 2020 just shut us down right. and we, and our development really kind of got halted because we were not able to get him overseas. And, and honestly, we don't have a guy that's a close second here. I mean, he wrestled Boykin in the finals and, and Boykin's another athlete that, that I brought out here and was, you know, spent three years at the training center. Now he's decided he's gonna he's gonna go back and do the college thing as well. So I mean, e- even for these athletes that are you know listening to this, is maybe it's it's take a gap year or two or three, like 
like Nick did, spend some time training Greco, and then go back and do the college. And you're going to be more mature. You're going to have a higher skill set than some of these college athletes. They, frankly, you know, they don't know the they don't know what the, the seven basic skills are. They got the five down, but they they forget back step back arts, which are create the most exciting scores in our sport. Isn't that crazy? I mean, you think about the effort that these guys are putting into their sport, uh, in this case, wrestling, right? Uh, they yeah. are so uh, intelligent about the sport. I mean, take a look at Robbie. Robbie is good in front of the mic or behind the mic. It doesn't matter. Um, and, I, and I love that. Um, before we're out of time, I want you to address the Gable-Stevenson uh, victory and a come uh, from behind with few seconds left to go in the match, and he wins the Olympic gold. What are your thoughts on that guy? Oh, he's an incredible athlete and uh, really a good competitor as well. Apparently, uh, I haven't I haven't really worked with Gable a ton. We, you know, we brought him over and uh, worked some part there defense with him, and uh, obviously he doesn't have the offense because he was he was able to get away with letting the guy up. Uh, some officials might even have called that passivity and, uh, and penalized him, uh, or just let, or not blown the whistle for what was it? Five seconds or something. Yeah. Something like stupid. A crazy finish. You see that in college wrestling. You don't see that at the Olympics because that's not part of the rule set. The actual rule set is you gotta, you gotta try to score points in every position. And, uh, I don't think Gable has a ton of offense in the parterre, but, he figured out a way to get that medal, didn't he? <laughs> this portion of our interview brought to you by Team Quest. Team Quest, Matt Lindland, Dan Henderson, Randy Couture. Uh, they were one of the very first from the industry to sponsor this program. Matt, I can never that thank you enough for that. Thank you. <laughs> when, yeah, that is true, brother. We're still cranking out in Oregon. <laughs> they tried to kill us. <laughs> Governor Governor Kate Brownshirt, she tried to she tried to shut us down all all the way through, you know, for a couple of years. But we figured out a way to survive because we we put out a great product. We we train kids in low income neighborhoods, you know, build them build confidence, self esteem, and you know, get them some skills so they can defend themselves out in the streets. Because Portland is rough, man. You got Antifa. And these other groups, you know, running around the streets, burning stuff up, attacking folks, you got to have some martial arts skills just to survive. Well, I'd say you do. Um, you, <laughs> you have some. And we want to share that with our community <laughs> and our kids, and we want to empower them and, and give, you know, get them stronger and get them, you know, with a right mindset so they're thinking healthy thoughts. They call them the law. I do, too. Matt Lindland has been our guest. Matt, thank you so much for the time today, brother. I appreciate it. You got it, Scott. Anytime, brother. We'll talk later. There we go. Matt Lindland heads to the showers. And uh, what a guy that has absolutely explored every aspect of life that he's wanted to. Uh, like whitewater uh, competition, going down the rapids and all that. He does that. Political office, done that. Uh, wrestling coach, done that. MMA star, done that. And there's so much more. Matt Lindland has been our guest. All right, coming up next, top of the hour, of course. But we'll uh, switch it over, talk about uh, the uh, USA Women's Wrestling Program with Jakara Winchester. She's up next. Stay tuned. This is USA Takedown. More coverage of wrestling and MMA continues after this timeout here on USA Takedown, only on 1350 ESPN. Des Moines, sports leader. 
All right, welcome back to the show. Top of the hour now. It is USA Takedown. Scott Kasberg, Kira Jones with you on this beautiful Friday. No matter where you are, if you woke up this morning, it has got to be a great day. And in wrestling terms, uh, right now the United States is riding high uh, because of the great performances by uh, its athletes in the sport of wrestling. Uh, They are calling for mixed martial arts to be added to the Olympic program. We don't disagree with that. I think the idea has merit, and I think it's probably time to take a look at a brand new sport called mixed martial arts. And you're saying, how is that a brand new sport? Back when we were on the jock many years ago, 30 years ago, we were talking with Dana White every single show. We were talking with Randy Couture. We were talking with uh, Matt Lindland, uh, Chuck Liddell, and so many others. My question is, uh, you know, how is it that we did or did not uh, understand what was happening and could it have happened at a different rate? I don't know that. Um, And it's always fun to suppose but a guy that actually gets behind uh, both mixed martial arts boxing and now uh, kickboxing as well is Travis Dvorak. He's the general manager at Wild Rose Casino uh, in Jefferson. He's been at every property uh, that they have, and that's, of course, Clinton, Emmitsburg, and Jefferson. He joins us now, does um, uh, Travis Dvorak. Travis, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Scott. How are you? I'm good. I was super excited to see poster art. Uh, claiming to another event that Johnny Case will be uh, headlining. And by the way, last time, absolutely brilliant when it comes to matchmaking. Johnny is giving his new opponent a little extra credit, I think, uh, because it's going to be a tough fight. This is not a can. He did not, uh, Monty is not bringing in a can. This is a great matchup. Talk to us a little bit about uh, your experience the last time and, and our expectations for the event this year. Well, we had one a couple months ago. You were there, of course, mm-hmm. and you've been to, I think, all of our events. And this last one was the most attended one that we've had, and we've had five or six of them. I think a lot of it was we had Johnny Case. He come back from uh, from Japan. You know him as a UFC fighter, Jefferson native. He's now working in Japan with Ryzen. Because of the Olympics running on in Japan, he came home for a while to get a fight. Um, but we had a lot of people, not just his fans, but a whole bunch of new fans that we've never seen because we're bringing this boxing element, which we haven't done before. It's always been mixed martial arts and kickboxing. Well, this boxing, I think, is on the rise, and, and Monty's teamed up with a really good guy with Maximus, and what a great show. Some great boxing matches through and through. Um, it was fun to watch, and and we had such great response from the crowd, and we nearly sold out the arena. Mm-hmm. So we... Uh, after it's done, Mike said, let's do another one, because Johnny Case said he'd like to do another one before he goes back to Japan. So, to me, it was a no-brainer, so we're going to do another one. And Johnny Case, uh, we didn't know what kind of boxer he was, because right. we know what an MMA fighter he is. But, boy, he was impressive as a boxer. And so now, Monty's going to give him an even tougher challenge. So, uh, this one's going to be a 50-50 shot. You know, when I look at, um, and, and, and I remember, uh, I was sitting ringside watching Case. And Johnny had been on the show. We've been promoting this fight. Expectations were high. Man, the hometown crowd of uh, in and around Greene County, those folks did not let you down when it comes to buying tickets, tables, et cetera. This was a wild night. Oh, it was great. We were running out of tables. We kept trying to find ways of bringing more tables. <laughs> that's just how popular it was. And it was a great show. I was thoroughly impressed. And 
you never know how these MMA fighters are going to be when they go to boxing because they all have different skill sets and they're strong in one place and not so much in the other. And we knew Johnny Case was going to be good on the ground because he was a high school wrestler. But we didn't know what kind of striker he was. Right. But, oh my gosh, those he's got some really fast fists. And this guy, if he wanted to be a boxer, he could. We're talking with Travis Dvorak, uh, general manager of Wild Rose Casino Jefferson, <clears throat> one of the most respected individuals in the uh, in the world of gaming, and we appreciate his friendship for sure. Um, I have to ask you, uh, I'm going to switch topics completely. Yes. Uh, it's, 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 it's a sensitive issue, okay? But you are a proud uh, former Marine, I guess, once a Marine, always a Marine, right? Hoorah. <laughs> you beat me to it. <laughs> All right. Um, it wasn't that long ago, a few weeks ago, as a matter of fact, when 13 members of the United States military were killed in Iraq or excuse me, in Afghanistan. Um, you, you did a tribute and I, and I know others did as well, but I thank you for the tribute that you did by seating or uh, having places held for the 13 members, including uh, cold beer um, and, and the United States flag was very evident. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a special opportunity we have to salute those that have served and those that are serving. Would you agree with that? I would, absolutely. You know, we're in this world now where if you turn on to other radio stations, which you probably show another than yours, <laughs> but sometimes you hear division and are, are we patriotic, are we not? But this real tragedy happened in, in Afghanistan a few right. weeks ago. And somewhere in America, somebody that owned a bar or a restaurant decided to do a tribute. Mm -hmm. And social media is good and bad, but the good thing about social media, it caught fire, then all of a sudden all these other bars and restaurants are doing these this empty table with 13 spots. Kind of like the missing man table that right. you see. And I thought that was great, and and... What's great about this country is, you know, forget the division you might see on certain radio news stations. This country is united, right. and we do care about each other, and we do care about our veterans and our and our people serving right now. And and so, you see this all across the country where people are are showing their respect, and that's a great thing, and that kind of helps revive your your spirit in this country and your spirit for mankind, for that matter, too. And um, so we did it here, of course, and we made ours a little bit personal because I'm a former Marine, so I brought out some of my Marine stuff. I had some uh, medals, and I had some tokens, and I had a sword. I brought out my covering gloves. But there was 11 Marines, there was an Army soldier, and there was a Navy corpsman. Well, we got a guy here in town who was a Navy corpsman, so it's personal to him, too. So mm -hmm. he brought out his cover. He had some of his tokens, some of his medals. And then I have a guy that works here who's a retired Army soldier that served actually in Vietnam and Iraq. That's how long he's been around. He brought out his stuff. So not only did we do this, but we made it personal because it was personal to some of us, too. Yeah. And and then I think I've said this in the show before, the owner of our casino is a Army Vietnam veteran. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> not that you need to be a veteran to respect and honor these people, but it, it just means that much more to us. Of course, you're talking about Gary. He, yeah, Mr. Uh, Kirk, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you call him Mr. Kirk. <laughs> well, you know, this goes back to military. Everybody's sir and ma'am and Mr. and Mrs. That's right. Well, maybe that's, you know, one of the things I admire about you, you treat people so very well. 
not just as your guests that come into game or eat at a coach's restaurant or to come to a boxing event or a concert, you know, what you're doing and will continue to do, no doubt, is to build that family. People that work there really are um, members of a very exclusive group. They get to work at the number one property in Jefferson, indeed in Greene County in terms of entertainment, for sure. But overall, I mean, you guys provide great benefits. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> there's an opportunity for our listeners to join an organization called Club Wild. It's a benefit program uh, that Wild Rose Casino has put forward. You can unlock exclusive benefits and rewards with Club Wild by joining. Membership is free, and it's easy, by the way. Visit a Club Wild representative on your next visit to enroll. It's Like I said, it's easy to do. Uh, there, by the way, if you, if you sign up right now, you get 2,000 bonus points just for signing up. That's $5 in free play for you who are keeping track at home. Get even more rewards the day you sign up simply by earning points when you use your Players Club Wild card on the machines or the tables that you're gaming at. This is easy, and it's so much fun to be a part of this group. Uh, I think I first joined in Clinton. Can you believe that? I was probably there when you did. <laughs> I think that's true. <laughs> yeah it's been that many years ago it's been a long time since i've been great place though i love that town and by the way how is it that every wild rose casino is situated on a street called uh what is it 777 that's your address 777 wild rose lane wild rose drive drive okay how is that possible that you guys well, got that lucky know, <laughs> such irony that when we have to build an area and build a street we move after us <laughs> Not sure how that happened. Do you have to plow it? And, you know, when snow comes, do you have to take care of it? The street itself, well, yeah. Yeah. That's because it's on our property, so we have to do all of our maintenance. <laughs> and it's well done. By the way, the hotel's back open again. What a, uh, a great place to stay and play if you're in Jefferson. You can do the same thing in Clinton or Emmitsburg, but uh, we're talking about Jefferson today. And a boxing event, and it's a what we call a hybrid event. That's coming up in October. What's the date on that? October 30th, Saturday night, right before Halloween. So we're going to have, uh, might be a frightening night for a few people. <laughs> I'm going to be there. I know I love Absolutely. hosting the, uh, uh, I love hosting the weigh-ins. Have you ever been to a weigh-in, Kira? I have been to one wrestling match in my life. And your... it was because for some weird reason, my high school wrestling team wanted the pet band there. Really? And I can't remember any of it <laughs> well that's okay i mean you had that experience apparently it was not impactful enough for you to donate any of your brain cells so you could remember the event yeah but that's okay that's okay <laughs> and now look where we are a pep band a pep band for a way in for high school <laughs> you know what that's not a bad idea we can come up with great ideas on this program but in jefferson the pep band from the local high school should be at the fight wouldn't that Absolutely. be awesome that would be fun well do you remember the the hit song and the hit album tusk by fleetwood mac mm -hmm. okay so they had rehearsal day in the stadium for that uh, music video and everybody was dressed very casually in shorts and beach shirts and all that kind of stuff uh but upon the day that they were actually going to film that uh Concert video, if you will. Concert video. I think that's wrong, but uh, anyway, music video is better. Anyway, so when they were going to film the music video, what they did 
is all of a sudden the USC Trojans started to gear up. And that is full uniform, the hats, the special hats uh-huh. that the Trojans wear. And uh, they, in tune, in turn, rather, were able to perform with Fleetwood Mac oh. to, that, to the song and to the uh, appeal of the general uh, public. What a, what a great video that is. But I, I could see that happening at Jefferson. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll have to bring Get that the... up with money. Cox is going to be joining us in hour number two. Maybe you can find the budget for that. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. What's the what's the we would map though? When I was in high school, it was ACDC. <laughs> and ACDC, I think, is going to be playing at the uh, uh, the annual show out in Las Vegas. What what is that? Uh, iHeart's um, oh, annual show. I don't know. On Fox and iHeart uh, the app, which yeah. we are a part of. By the way, we're on iHeart. Um, all right. So tickets. How, how much are the tickets on this event? Tickets on the event range from uh, $60 for ring size, $50 for tables. You can go to General Mission for 40 or 45 Wow. That's I would tell you, though, I would do the VIP for 75 It costs a little more, but if they're premium seats yep. and they got the food package and everything else, it is, it is worth the extra bit. I don't know how I, I rank and uh, rate getting a ringside seat to each one of these fights, but, man, I tell you what, don't let me ever do anything that would piss you off so I lose that <laughs> <laughs> I'd say those Casper seats are not for sale. They're exclusively to, to certain people. Hey Amen. You know what's best, though, is I get to talk with your staff. I get to hang out with you. Uh, the bowling alley, the uh, wonderful home for our weigh-ins. Uh, such great people, and they've got a great cheeseburger there, by the way. Uh, but yes. we appreciate that whole e- event uh, experience, I think, is well done in Jefferson. I wish we had more fights in Clinton and Emmitsburg too, but maybe they'll come along by the way. I think Emmitsburg's a little difficult to bring a cage or a boxing ring uh, into the building and get it to uh, the ballroom, as it were. Uh, yeah, they're a little different. Their ballroom's upstairs, yeah. smaller venue. So we, we tried it once about 10, 15 years ago. It is difficult. Clinton's a little different. Um, we've done a few when I was there. They've done a few since I left. Um, there'll probably be more fights in Clinton. Well, I'm thinking Emmitsburg. I remember announcing a fight in Emmitsburg uh, at the casino, and I think it was Charlie Kirk who um, uh, yes. promoted the fight. Is that right? Correct. And he's no longer in the business. <laughs> That's correct, too. It's a tough business. It's a very tough. Now you know why I'm not you know that. Part of it. <laughs> yeah. You know, that business like anybody else. <clears throat> yeah. The worst thing about being a fight promoter is you have to hold the hand of the fighters, those that have signed contracts and hope that they don't back out the day of the fight. It's always apparent that you overbook a fight with number of fights because you're going to drop one or two or sometimes even three fights. And uh, the, the good folks at the Athletic Commission are kind enough to roll with you on those punches because they understand it's a difficult it's a difficult deal. Wild Rose Casino and Resorts. WildRoseResorts.com. That's where you find them online. We're going to be talking about this fight as we come up to the event. It'll be taking place October 30th in Jefferson, Iowa. Get your tickets now because, like last time, I'm confident these will go fast. Thank you so much, Travis. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Oh, man, you're a good guest and a great friend. I appreciate that. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. There we go. Yes, sir. (laughs) I'm even, I'm uncomfortable. Anyway, stay tuned. There's more of the program on the other side of the break. You're listening to USA Takedown only on 1350. This is ESPN Radio. 
All guests on USA Takedown appear on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. Two-time world champion Terry Brand said, We use it in our showers and in our room. Defense Soap, it's what the pros use. Welcome back to the show. USA Takedown. Scott Casper with you on this beautiful Friday. I'm not sure what's going on in the streets of downtown Des Moines, but uh, many of the streets are blocked off. Parking is at a premium, but uh, it's got to be some kind of a party as we uh, now approach the month, or excuse me, the season called fall. (laughs) Okay. And then perhaps my favorite season is fall. I love it. Uh, this portion of the show brought to you by Mullet's Restaurant on First Avenue, downtown Des Moines. It's it's right by the uh, the baseball stadium. Uh, it's the Chow Hall for wrestlers and fans. Also want to recognize Five Talents Financial Management Group. And by Here.com, that's Here.com forward slash Casper. And they uh, one of our national sponsors. Appreciate the folks at Here.com. They have wrestling ties. They understand what we do. And, uh, and hopefully, if you need hearing aids, hearing devices, please... Let them know that you heard it on USA Takedown. All right, next up is a, a great friend. Uh, gave me my first microphone in the business when at Lakeside Casino. Uh, he needed a, a fight announcer, and that's Monty Cox, the promoter of the event coming up in Jefferson. Monty, good morning. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. So you recently moved to Michigan. Okay, it was like a year ago, year and a half ago. How long? It goes, it goes fast. We've actually been here now four years. Wow. Wow. See, in the blink of an eye. Yeah. <laughs> See, one of the things, and I think I, I may have told you this, but I want the public to hear this. As a former promoter myself, okay, with partners or without partners, uh, the most difficult job, I think, is that of the promoter who sets the, uh, the, the fight card up, uh, rents the venue, uh, sells the tickets, uh, buys the insurance policies that need to be in place for the state and then dealing with the state itself. Monty, you've been there since the very beginning of this sport. We talked to you when we talked to you, I always want to make sure you know how much I appreciate the fact that you go into this very, um, and it's not outwardly that you're, you're calm. I, maybe it is outwardly. I think you're very calm in terms of promoters. Uh, but you're always yeah. thinking about the next event. What did you get out of the last hybrid event we did in Jefferson? Oh, I, I, I mean, the biggest thing I think uh, out of that, well, there are two, two things that I, that, that I took away one, boy, Johnny case is good. Um, I mean, that was his first boxing match and he didn't look like a beginner. I mean, he looked, he looked pretty solid, very impressive. The second thing was Diego Zuniga from Des Moines. Uh, two-time Golden Glove champ, making his pro debut, and he was definitely the um, the fight of the night. Right, so with, he fought a guy from Georgia uh, who had who had four four Golden Glove titles. But I mean that was, that was a standing ovation and and such. And I thought, wow, those two guys they they, they were special out of, out of that group. And uh, of course, we had done so many shows now at at uh, the Wild Rose. Um, it was just different coming back and doing boxing and kickboxing instead of uh, MMA. You've watched the sport uh, progress. Uh, many different companies have come and gone. Uh, 
Uh, everybody wants to be a fight promoter until they actually do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I respect that. I really do. It's fun, at least from the outside looking in, it's fun. But, uh, boy, there's a lot of work that goes into putting together a fight. Now, you have a partner in this. Can you tell us the name of the new company? Yeah, it's, we're still doing everything under Ultimate Productions, which is my company forever. But we, we're, we're doing DBA as uh, Extreme Maximus there it is. Boxing Promotions. And that's his company was uh, Maximus Boxing. And I had extreme challenge. So between the between the two, um, you know, we we came up with extreme maximus. Good partnerships are hard to come by. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you've you've been there, done that. <laughs> so have I. <laughs> I've, had, I've, I've had my share, you know, of difficulties, and and to, and I've had some good people. Chad Bergmeyer was a really good partner, and right, and but uh, but. Long-term partners are, it's hard to work together every day and all the stuff, the ups and downs. And, and, uh, you always feel like me, you know, like the hardest thing of the partnership is feeling like your partner is doing as much work as you are. And, and I've always had a, had trouble with that because I, I don't go to bed. Right. And so I, I work all the time. Um, and, and, uh, with Scott, uh, I, I have, amazing he, he like you know he doesn't have a family he, this is his life uh he doesn't have a job he's a you know a wealthy person and and the two of us uh we just get along great and 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 uh we that's how we're able to get so much done because we just don't do things like sleep well you know i remember one time you you said you had two or three um cell phones because you would uh, wear the battery down in one, you'd have to have a go-to, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's you used to always have that. Mm. And I'm, I'm, you know, this is, this is so crazy. Like I, I'm, I'm working on a show for this a week from tomorrow. And I, I, we lost nine fighters in the span of two days. Wow. Well, all of a sudden it's just falling apart. So I end up, you know, you got to make quick decisions. So I decided to cancel the first show on Friday and take the the remaining the guys who survived and move them to Saturday on the boxing show with the pay per view, and that's the, that's one thing to do. But then you realize you have two sets of tickets out there, mm-hmm. people, and they're different prices. So I've got one set of ringside one through seventy that were fifty <laughs> bucks, and another set that were sixty bucks, and you you know you got tables that. I've sold two table 22s, two table 21s, you know. So now it's a a matter of that's the tough part is how do you rearrange the seating chart? How do you make it fair? Um, There's just a lot that goes with it. And then you got to call around and start canceling everything. Right. Cancel the doctor, cancel the judges, cancel the insurance, cancel the ambulance, you know. Tell the venue, you know, change the the weigh-in times, you know, your advertisers. And then you got to get a hold of every fighter, which which is about almost sixty of them. So yeah, it's a it's a lot to do in a day. Keep so, busy. It, a lot of people don't understand that while you're enjoying the fruits of your labor, in other words, while you're enjoying the fight in front of you, you're already on to the next event, the next date, and and and, and who you want to see on that. It's not something that just happens organically. 
This is a well-thought-out process, and perhaps that's why you, uh, amongst all of the promoters in this country, have been literally the most successful. We're seeing, uh, and by the way, next week we begin, well, I think Couture was actually the first, but we really do begin talking with the fighters of the PFL. What are your thoughts about the Pro Fighters League? Oh, I love it. I mean, you know, I, I've, I've had people in it. That if I, I had uh, Dan Spawn yep. from uh, Columbus, Ohio. He uh, he fought um, uh, in all three seasons and, and you know, has a winning record. Um, did not win the million dollars, but, um, you know, he, he's, done, he's done really, really well. And and I, I've been friends with Ray Seppo for a long time. Great guy. We when I used to go over to Japan with all my fighters, we shared locker rooms with Ray a lot, you know, when he was still competing and stuff. Um, so, uh, you know, we're, we're used to, I was used to him and, and got along with him. And when he took over, he's, he's just been great. Mm. We're going to be out there with you October 30th at wild Rose casino in Jefferson for this fight night. Again, it's a hybrid night. Um, you're seeing some other hybrids pop up and they go, uh, for example, in the first round, you might wrestle mixed martial arts. Second round might be boxing or kickboxing, but you're starting to see people thinking creatively about not only ways to maintain, uh, their audience, but also to grow it. And I think that's absolutely terrific. And it's, it is needed, but what do you think about the guys that are retired and should be retired guys like Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz, et cetera, that are, uh, signing these contracts to fight one more fight at their age. We're talking about the potential for serious damage. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's different, um, there's different things that are happening there. The, the ones like the Tyson Jones fight, it wasn't real. I mean, you know, it was a, a spectacle. They pretty much said so. Um, I think uh, those those type of fights are. There's no no issue with that. Um, I do think it's it's tough when you when you put uh, a guy like Vitor, who's quite a bit younger, and put him in with a Holyfield that is obviously not all there. No. That I mean, California. You know, they saw that. They wouldn't sanction it. It, it's those are those are tough and and you know that's coming from a guy that put on the Militich Michael Nunn you you know but they were the same age they were they were both in good shape they passed all the medicals and everything right and and they put on a six rounder that was that was no problem we have any issues or anything other than Michael Nunn decided he didn't like being kicked <laughs> and, and, and wanted wanted no part of it again. <laughs> So, uh, no more mixed martial arts for none. <laughs> oh my gosh. I told him, I go, so Michael, when's the next one? He goes, hell no. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, I, ha- he goes, I have a whole new respect for, for MMA guys. He right. goes, I used to see it. He goes, I'd see him out there. They're kicking and punch, you know, and I didn't think much of it. He goes, man, he goes, I didn't walk for a week. <laughs> he goes, I couldn't not, not for a week. I, th- goes, I, I think no, people no ever going to. No think, one's ever kicking him again. Yeah, I, I think people don't give uh, the fighters enough credit when they are on the attack and are kicking. It actually can it can hurt both fighters. 
the guy initiating and then the guy receiving. And believe me. Well, the guy, I mean, if you're good, the guy receiving checks kick. Right. Right as you're throwing your shin, he lifts his knee up and he he wants your shin to hit his knee. Well, that's not good for the guy kicking. That hurt. And so that's what they, you know, they check it. And and, uh, that's where you get most of the broken legs is, you know, a, a shin bone hitting a kneecap. One of the things we like is when we have crossover athletes, as in the Pro Fighters League, next week we'll have Chris Wade on and uh, W-A-D-E, uh, well-known in the world of wrestling, also well-known in the world of the Pro Fighters League. Some of these guys uh, are all, are literally gaming, in other words, trying desperately to win the $1 million prizes. And uh, this is it's a statement, I think. it's it, If they can do a $1 million, why hasn't the UFC done this, and why won't they uh, even consider putting out some great big paydays out there that everybody could shoot at? What a, what an idea for a tournament! I think it would yeah. be outstanding. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, tournaments are tough. They not very many athletic commissions let you fight more than once in a day, so it'd have to be spread out over you know three or four months uh, and and such. But um, you know, I mean. That was the high point of MMA. Was back when they there were eight man tournaments on on pay per view, and right. you got you got to see all these. You'd see these these guys that were scary looking, and they then you got oh my those two the two scariest guys are now fighting each other, mm-hmm. and you used to get all you know <laughs> pumped up about it. I I mean that was when I got into it. it was oh my this stuff is awesome. Yeah. Now, do you remember having uh, the UFC early days? Uh, either they were in Georgia, um, or they were in South Carolina, or they were in Puerto Rico. Uh, right. And I remember the studio uh, that uh, I was selling that was actually putting uh, that product on video for home consumers uh, invited me to Puerto Rico. I went. I had a great time. But what I noticed is that it's a much looser environment. In other words, down there, they don't have the same requirements that many of our athletic commissions do. Right. Uh, and, and that became problematic, urging uh, lawmakers like John McCain to call um, uh, mixed martial arts like a, a what, what did he call it? A human dog human, fight? Human, human cock fighting. Okay, very good. I didn't want to say that word, but you, you did, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking about it. We're talking about chickens here. Right, you know? right, right. Yes, we are talking about chickens. Yes, Scott, where's your mind at? <laughs> yeah. It's only 10:30. I uh, know, right? It's 10:32 yeah. if you're setting your clock by our time. All right. Uh our guest Monty Cox, uh Extreme Fighting Championships coming up again uh in Jefferson. We've had great success with this hybrid. Johnny Case will be highlighting who is Johnny going to be facing? He's going to face a guy named Joe, Bo- um, it's B-O-R-Y-S. I guess it's Bo- Boris, and he's um, he's uh, Indiana Golden Gloves champ. Uh, I think his record's 1-1. One one. Uh, Case, of course, is 1-0. and um, Should be more competitive than this last one. And we got a guy that's a real, I mean, he's got real credentials, amateur credentials, Golden Gloves stuff like that. So we're stepping it up a little bit on him. And then, uh, Diego will be back, um, you know, fighting, fighting his second fight. We don't, we don't have the opponent set for him. 
And and if we did this far out, they'd back out anyway. So it doesn't really matter. We we get off every time we get the the, the show done. We just look at each other and go. Now we just sit back and watch it all fall apart. <laughs> I mean, ah, that's the, what happens every ah, single time. Ah, the life of a promoter. <laughs> it's you know, like the thing is, if you if you don't set it up early, yeah, you're, then the guys book themselves other places, right? And if, if you wait till the end, you don't have anyone left. If you book it early, they have all this time to kill. They can get a better offer and then and say they're hurt. They can. I mean, the, the excuses are, I could write a book on just the excuses <laughs> that, 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 that we get. And that's not to downplay the people who really do get hurt and, and really did get COVID. I mean, I, you know, there, there are those in there too. I just, I, something tells me not all of them may be as, as, uh, as injured or sick as they say. It's always amazing to me, the guys that get injured in practice. Okay. Yeah. And what, that one always frustrates me. You're going to practice so you don't get injured, but in practice yeah. you get what? Injured. And uh, I had a had a guy get a broken nose yesterday. Good good ticket seller for us. And I and I go, "What what are you doing?" He goes, "Well, he just caught me." I go, "Why are you weak out? You're not wearing headgear?" <laughs> he goes, nah, "I don't like headgear." I go, "No, nah, you don't like fighting because you don't get to- <laughs> but, I mean, come on, man. I mean, you know, do we got to come out there and put you in a bubble? I mean, and you get within two weeks. I, I, It's like those people that get hurt and they say, yeah, I was rolling with this new guy. And I'm like, what? <laughs> a week before the fight, you're going to, you're rolling with some guy you don't know. And so, so what? He, he gets an ankle and cranks it too hard because he doesn't know what he's doing. And I go, no, you never, ever, ever roll with someone you don't know. <laughs> I mean, geez, these guys just don't, they don't know. There are some people that can control their emotions, but in that, in the context of a fight, um, I don't care if it's boxing, mixed martial arts, sometimes anger gets the best of you. And I remember Ty Fields training, uh, in a public sparring event at Prairie Meadows here in Des Moines, uh, or in Altoona anyway, um, and brought this cat in from, um, uh, Michigan. And I know it wasn't Don Cherry, but that's the name that keeps coming up is Don Cherry. It's not Don Cherry. Point is, this fella, who looks like he could hold his own, big, strong, muscular, um, a black fella. And Ty, at one point, had enough of this guy's ducking and weaving and just started to pommel him and beat the crap out of this guy. It was just a sparring match. Yeah. It wasn't a fight. But having Kira's <laughs> laughing her ass off in here yeah <laughs> but it's oh, true happened. you know when all the when all the militich guys were uh um w- w- you know holding practice and stuff you get these new guys that would come in <laughs> and you you get someone like uh, drew mcfedries who you know drew mcfedries his 50 percent is our 150 <laughs> percent and so yeah we'll go 50 and then you know oh my gosh if, if someone if the guy lands a good punch <laughs> You know, then he's, he ends up waking up somewhere else. You know, it just the way it is. And then we go, Drew, you can't, you can't just keep knocking these guys out. And he right. goes, hey, he hit me. <laughs> I go, you're, you're a boxer. But that's how it was. Yeah. You, you, you hit someone a little hard and all those monsters that we had there. <laughs> 
that's kind of the, you know, the perception is that boxers, wrestlers, fighters can all control their emotions. It's not necessarily true. And here's the deal, yeah. fans. On the 30th of October, I want you to find your way to Jefferson, Iowa. Tickets are on sale now. Go to the uh, uh, Players Club box office, and they will be happy to get you, uh, you your seats, whether it's ringside tables or what have you. Ticket prices start at 35 and 40 bucks, and uh, you're going to want to be there as we again enjoy a great weekend of fighting in Jefferson at Wild Rose. Monty Cox has been our guest. I'm yep. so glad to call you a friend. Uh, you're one of those in the sport that I absolutely trust and know that you are doing what's right for the sport always. I appreciate that. I am trying. I'm trying. <laughs> it shows. Monty Cox, yeah. thank you so much, my brother. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. There we go. Monty Cox, the producer, and it's extreme, uh, Maximus. Okay. Uh, this will be their second combined event and it will take place in Jefferson. I'll be there and I hope you will be as well. We'll do the show there live on Friday morning and then, uh, hang out for the, uh, the weigh-ins and then of course that night. And then the next day, of course, that evening is the fight night. So it's a, uh, it's a good time in, uh, Jefferson, Iowa. All right, stay tuned. There's more of the program. Rebecca Roper is coming up next. She's going to be competing in Stalemate Street League 2. We'll tell you more about that on the other side of the break. Stay tuned. Think you heard everything? Stick around. You ain't heard nothing yet. More USA Takedown after this. Uh, it does get serious when we're talking about boxing, mixed martial arts, wrestling. It doesn't matter. It does get serious at times. At one point, at some point, you stop having fun. Well, our next guest is accepted the opportunity to wrestle at Stalemate Street League 2. And uh, she joins us now, does Rebecca Roper. Good morning, Rebecca. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Well, we're doing great. I was so excited to hear that you accepted the the opportunity, and I don't know that it's a challenge, but I think you've accepted the opportunity to compete at Stalemate Street League 2. This would become your very first wrestling match of all time. Is that true? Yes, sir, it is. I am so excited. Now, you've been around wrestling for so many years. The wife of uh, one of my favorite coaches, of course, Lee Roper. We've had him on the show a couple times, but it's been a long time. He's now assistant to uh, uh, the University of Northern Iowa, uh, has he encouraged you in this event, uh, for this event? Oh, absolutely. He's been my biggest supporter. Um, he's working out with me. He's helping me. He's making a, uh, a regular workout plan besides wrestling for me and helping me watch what I eat. And he's just been incredible. Well, honey, I, I honey, <laughs> sorry. Um, you know, I know you, I've seen you, I see pictures of you all the time because you are working at the, uh, national wrestling hall of fame, Dan Gable museum since 2019. So there's a lot of images of you out there. It doesn't look like you need to uh, lose any weight at all. No, I'm just trying to, to, to stay. Um, I naturally weigh around 120 to 122 pounds. And so I'm just trying to keep myself at that weight and not put any weight on. Now, what are you, 5'7", five, 5'6"? Five, uh, five, five. Five, five. Okay. Well, my wife, by the way, is 4'9". <laughs> <laughs> my first wife was 5'7". I don't know about the next one, but we'll see. <laughs> don't tell my wife I said that. Anyway, our guest is Rebecca Roper. 
Rebecca, you've been the assistant to the director of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, Dan Gable Museum, since 2019. Um, since, I mean, the museum has changed hands a couple times in that they've had different directors. I think the best uh, director they have right now, uh, or the director you have right now, is perhaps one of the best. When he announced his retirement from from uh, uh, college wrestling as a coach, um, he he didn't waste any time. I mean, he landed as the director of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, Dan Gable Museum, and uh, the museum is in great hands, is it not? Oh, it couldn't be in better hands. Jim is the best. He's the best boss. I love him dearly. It truly is like a, a family environment at right. work. Um, we all work together. We work really hard, and we love what we do. One of the things that I enjoy is that there's several different things the museum does and does very well. There's the pro wing, right? There's, yeah. uh, 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 I believe you created Girl Talk at the Dan Gable Museum, which is a series of videos, podcast interviewing uh, with coaches and uh, family members. Uh, this is really all-encompassing, and I love the fact that you've embraced it enough to put on your own personal stamp. Uh, not just on the museum, but on the programs that are uh, uh, that you guys come up with. And whether it's the pro, the Greco, Allen and Gloria Rice knew both of them, by the way, uh, wonderful folks, but very generous with their money in terms of supporting uh, that arm of the museum and uh, recognizing. I remember the first one I, I uh, uh, witnessed firsthand. That's when I first met Allen. <clears throat> and uh, it was when Dennis Hall was being inducted. Uh, into the uh, Greco Hall of Fame. I remember uh, when we recognized um, Bill Cole, uh, and he was giving his acceptance conversation or speech, as it were, and uh, he started to lose track in his age. I could understand it, but it was only then that I saw what family meant, and that was when Rob gently moved his father off mic and began to uh, continue uh, the tribute that his father was laying out there in terms of the acceptance speech. But it was then that I saw what Mike and Bev Chapman originally designed for this museum to be. And that is a, a, uh, repository of hopes, dreams, wishes, and the best of all the competition. Um, and I love that. So you really do embrace that. Now you're putting this out there that you're going to take on all comers. Who is your competition? Uh, Billy Sims is her name. I don't know anything about Billy Sims. Uh, what do you know about her? So I know very little. Um, I know that she is originally from Virginia, and now she lives in Pennsylvania. Um, I know that she does barrel racing, and I know that she used to uh, train in the 90s, I believe. Now, see, here's the deal about barrel racing so competitive if you've watched at all uh yellowstone with kevin costner which is a great yeah. series by the way <laughs> i binge watched that <laughs> i love that show but they call uh barrel racers buckle bunnies <laughs> is that true kira's brave <laughs> i had never heard that term until i watched uh yellowstone but those girls in uh, barrel racing are ultra ultra competitive um, you know, I know that Lee's not going to let you go out there and, uh, not be r ready or present to compete. Uh, wrestling is not something you do overnight or learn overnight. October 29th is coming up soon. 
Yeah. Um, so for me, it's it's not really about winning or losing. It's not even really a, a, about the match necessarily. It's about the fact that I get to be a wrestler for a day, <laughs> something that I've dreamed about my entire life. Like that's what it's about. Like I'm I'm winning already just because I have this opportunity and I'm training and I'm just filled with so much joy every time I step on the mat. Mm. And by the way, you grew up in Georgia, right? Yeah. And and you had uh, your father wrestled, I believe, and coached. Your uncles wrestled at Georgia Tech, if I recall. But um, yeah. so you're not too far from the stone, but you know what I mean? You can throw it and still hit it. Um, yeah. So wrestling has been a part of uh, your growing up. Uh, and I, and I love that because having announced the Georgia state championships before, and then, uh, I can't remember the organization that hired me to come down and, and announce one of the last live events at the Georgia dome, but it was not USA wrestling. It uh, could have been the Atlanta takedown association. I believe that's probably correct. Great hotel, by the way, I got to stay. That's <laughs> always, it's <laughs> a good barometer of my success at an event is how you put me up. for sure now wasn't your brother a two-time georgia state high school champ yes he was and tell us his name and and where did he go on to college so his name is will hale um he started the wrestling program at bruton parker like was on the first team at bruton parker and then um they moved he followed his coach to emmanuel and they started the program at emmanuel and he got second place um, at the NWCA or NCWA, I forget what it is, the club um, association nationals, because they had the most programs when they first start, you have like a trial period right. before you're allowed to go to the NCAAs. So it was during that, but and now he uh, works at, at NC State's athletic department, and oh, he's involved right? with the wrestling program. Now, let me tell you something, NC State been there love that wrestling room love uh the weight training room the theater that they have that they can watch videos they so choose to do so it's just like a real motion picture theater uh but nc state oh my goodness sakes i love that campus i can understand why papalizio is enjoying the success he is i can't understand why beasley went off to george mason <laughs> he had such a good thing going but uh, no, it's all about being a head coach at some point. He's done an outstanding job at George Mason. Our guest is Rebecca Roper. She's the wife of Lee Roper, uh, the assistant head coach at uh, Northern Iowa. Uh, you've made a home for yourself in Cedar Falls, Iowa, and uh, you seem to be enjoying it very much. Um, and, and, you know, we get to be the recipient of the news that you put out there for us to enjoy. But what is it about you and I that is so very special? Um, so we actually live in Waterloo, which is very close to Cedar Falls. Um, and that's where the museum is. But I would say the most special thing to me is the culture and how much I've seen it grow with the team, with the coaches, with the fans, with the family, just watching that grow and see it morph and change into this beautiful thing that is the Panther train, um, has just been absolutely incredible and special. Doug Schwab and his family. And by the way, I love seeing the kids and their little singlets. It is so adorable. Oh my goodness sakes. And to think that one time Doug and Mark look like that, (laughs) (laughs) but you want to see people like that succeed. 
uh, it's probably easy to become a fan. If you haven't met Doug Schwab or his teams uh, or the people that support the program, Sandy Stevens, perhaps one of the biggest uh, supporters of the program that there is. Uh, I think she does uh, pins. What What is that program called where you uh, put a dollar a figure it's on pledges each? Pledges for pins. That's it. So you can, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the program benefits financially um, at the end of the season uh, by all the pins that they get. Thousands and thousands of dollars have been uh, raised because of her idea. Uh, Absolutely. Sandy Sandy is a saint. We love Sandy. We adore family. She, she is probably the biggest Panther-trained fan in the nation. Amen. Amen. Her son, Scott, and, and uh, the balance of her family, including her kitties, and I said kittens, okay, uh, are all wrestling fans, and she seems to enjoy uh, her life a great deal. Uh, and, and it's, I think we have to give credit where credit's due, but her late husband bear really did introduce her to the opportunity of actually announcing a wrestling event. And she hasn't looked back since, obviously she misses bear and his life. He was a great big dude, but uh, what a big heart as well. Rebecca Roper, our guest, she'll be competing at stalemate street league two. We're going to be talking and having the conversation with, uh, so many of the competitors that will be competing on that card. And it will be, uh, I believe, at the same place. Is that what you're hearing? It's going to be at... Uh, um, no, it's at the Iowa uh, Fairgrounds. The Fairgrounds. Okay, so we're moving to a larger facility. That's good. Because everybody out there is talking about this already. And, uh, I mean, this is what you want to see. is something that's organically born because they had a conversation with somebody. But Zach and his partner... Uh, they're doing, and they're having a good time doing it, you know, sponsored by barbarian apparel, uh, great apparel, great people. And, uh, they'll take care of you. If you need team uniforms, by the way, right now is the time to get your order in. Uh, sometimes it takes two, three, maybe even four weeks, depending on the complexity, but I uh, make sure you get with barbarian apparel, Joshua Sasfi and his wife. Um, and, and there's another example of a family that's in wrestling. You know, you can talk about your first families of wrestling, uh, you know, whether it's at Michigan or Minnesota. We had, you remember Marty uh, Morgan uh, was a longtime assistant head coach under uh, Jay Robinson. He was on the show last week. Joe Russell, Dan Russell were on the shows last week. So many people in this sport turn into uh, incredible inspirations. Who who inspires you? Um. Off the top of my head, my husband, mm-hmm. he, he works harder than anybody I know, and he pours his heart and his soul into the guys, into getting better, um, and he inspires me more than anybody does to go out there and chase my dream. You know, what's fun is that Lee is a, and, and first and foremost, he's a good man, okay? It's easy to yeah. want to get behind Lee uh, because he does, his life is very public. But um, I got to believe there's something that he reserves for you and your downtime. You guys have a special relationship. You don't even call him Lee. You call him Roper, right? Yes, I do. <laughs> Where did that come from? Because I, my, my name doesn't uh, necessarily fall or trickle off the lips or the tongue of anybody uh, other than those in my family. But nobody really calls me Casper. They just call me Scott. So where do, where does... Uh, where did you first, or when did you first begin calling him Roper? 
I've always called him Roper really? since I was 19. So my stunt <laughs> partner, I cheered in high school, and my stunt partner in high school, I'd grown up with him through kindergarten. His name was Lee. Um, he was very flamboyant. He painted his nails, wore fur coats. He was amazing. I loved him. But I couldn't call the guy that I was dating Lee because I always thought of the kid that I've known since kindergarten who I was really close with, and we were teammates. I just I couldn't do it. And everybody called him Roper in Georgia anyways. And so it just felt right. Roper felt right. Um, and still to this day, if I hear the name Lee, I think of my friend from, you know, kindergarten all the way through high school. So We won't talk about that, Lee. <laughs> All right. So, um, at, at one point compound wrestling was born. How did that happen? And what was uh, the relationship between Cliff Fretwell and uh, Lee Roper? Um, so I wasn't really around Roper when that idea first blossomed. Okay. Um, when him and I started hanging out, they were about a year, maybe two into compound. Um, so it was, it was new, but it had already been established okay. before. That's, you know, to me, it's the people that early on when we started Takedown 30 years ago, uh, they said, well, you can't make money in wrestling. Well, I beg to differ. And why would you say that to anybody that is wanting to make a difference? And that's all we wanted to do was make a difference. And I think that's exactly what you're doing, Rebecca. And it, not just in your acceptance of the uh, competition at Stalemate Street League 2, but also in your uh, leadership at the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Gable Museum. Nice job out of you. Thanks for taking the opportunity to join me on the program. I'm so excited to be able to continue to tell your story of success in life. You live it to the fullest, and I appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me. It was incredible. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I'm, again, I'm just so incredibly blessed to have this opportunity. Amen. We're blessed to have you a part of our sport. God bless you, and best as well to Millboy, okay? I will let him know. Thank you so much. Have a great day, kiddo. There we go. Rebecca Roper is set to compete at Stalemate Street League 2, October 29th. It'll take place at the Iowa State Fairgrounds. I'm not sure what building they're going to put it in, but hopefully it's at the Jacobson uh, Arena, which is largely regarded as one of the best houses for horsemanship. <laughs> did you know that? How did I know that? I don't even know. But anyway, hey, next week on the program, we're going to talk with Ryan LeBlanc, now the head coach at the Citadel. Jordan Oliver is going to be joining us. He had an outstanding performance in the run-up to uh, the uh, World Team Trials. Uh, Chris Wade at the Pro Fighters League is going to be joining us. Wisconsin's Braxton Amos. And then we're going to talk to Travell DeLugnev. It was not that long ago we talked to Travell about his new job at a small college in Nebraska. Well, now he's been elevated to the assistant head coach at the University of Nebraska at Lincoln. We're going to talk to him. Kara Jones is our producer. We appreciate you folks uh, tuning in each and every week. Thank you so much. This has been another exciting edition of USA Takedown only on 1350 ESPN and usatakedown.com. Ballerina, you must have seen.